welcome everyone. It's uh, it's so good to see you all. It's so good to uh, to welcome those that are watching online as well. Hope that everyone is having uh, has had a good week, and and it's good to be able to be here and, and to gather here uh, as well. And as we get started today, um, I want to start with a question, and that is basically this: What is normal? <laughs> what is normal? Because we don't really know what normal is anymore when we think about that word, when we think about the things that maybe used to be normal. Um, we think about things now that are, we would consider normal, would be things like having to wear a mask and stay six feet apart and wash your hands like you're going into surgery all the time um, is become part of normal. Um, toilet paper shortages are normal. Um, but shouldn't really be normal. Um, you've got things like uh, hearing nasty political ads all the time has become normal. That's been normal for a while, to be honest. But um, offending anyone and everyone with anything and everything that you say <laughs> has become normal. Um, having an opinion and that being offensive is, is normal. Um, empty stands at games is normal. Um, our kids going to school online, and all of them, going to school online is uh, normal now, at least a majority of them. I know uh, the ones that are actually going to school like in person are, are actually in the minority now, but working from home has become normal. Unemployment has become normal. Um, scheduling my day to watch a government press conference was normal for me for a while and for some of us as well. Um, things that I, that I never watched before, but people being uh, frustrated and scared has become normal. Um, which is interesting. You've got people living in fear of a second wave of COVID, whatever that means, uh, has become normal. Um, not knowing what to believe with the numbers that we're told about the things that are going on right now is normal. But at the end of the day, when we think about normal and we think about all those things, we really all have this longing and this desire to go back to normal, whatever that means going back to normal. And that's really what I want to want to talk about here. But, but I guess I want to ask the question, we want to go back to normal, but do we? Do we? And here's what I mean by that. We see uh, the things that, that are going on, and, and we can look at all of those things as problems, or we can look at them as opportunities. And, and yeah, there, there is definitely some problems. There, there are problems with, with a lot of those things, but there are also some opportunities there. And we've talked about that as well. But our definition of normal has been completely challenged and, and dismantled to a, to a degree. We want things to go back to the way that they used to be. That's how we are as people. That's how we're wired. But quite frankly, they never will. Not really. Things never went back to the way they were before 9-11, and things aren't going to go back to the way that they were before this, if we're going to be honest with you. But, you know, the, the only thing that should be normal for us as believers and followers of Jesus is the fact that we are always in a season of change because God is always... It always has been in the business of breaking the cycle of normal. He has always been in the business of breaking the cycle of normal. And that's really what we're going to look at as we go through uh, the book of Acts. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking uh, through the book of Acts. And we're going to be going actually sequentially through the book of Acts. It's not something I, I typically do, but it just seemed to make a whole lot of sense uh, to do it this way. It's going to be a little more expository, if you know what that means. We're gonna, so we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. We're going to be going through it um, really, really sequentially. But... The thing is, these stories of the disciples and the apostles in the book of Acts really relate to us, I think, a lot more than we realize, 
because there are a lot of things that happen in here where we see that these, these people had no clue what the next day was going to look like. They had no idea what normal really was because anything and everything that they thought was normal was up for grabs at any given time and they couldn't get used to anything. They got used to things being different all the time. And you're gonna see that as we go through. Now, if you don't know much about the book of Acts, I'm sure that uh, a lot of us have maybe read some pieces, parts or whatever. I don't know if you've actually done like a full-blown study on the book of Acts, but you're gonna know a lot about it when we're done here at the end of this, um, at the end of this series. But Acts is really the sequel to the gospel of Luke. It was written by Luke. And, um, and for a long time, it was actually really just considered like the second volume of Luke. It was like Luke part two, um, but it was kind of sectioned off and divided in, into, its own, uh, into its own book, but it was written by Luke. Acts was written by Luke, who was a physician. He was a Gentile, meaning he wasn't a Jew. And, uh, and he was a devoted companion to Paul. And Acts gives us, um, gives us some answers to questions that we would need to know, um, namely, how, you know, the Paul, how, how did he come to know Jesus and all of those things? It answers those questions because Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. And so this tells us how he came to Christ and, and the way that God revolutionized uh, his life. We're not going to be looking at that story today. That's in a few weeks. But, but it really also gives us the answer of how the gospel got from Jerusalem to Rome and to the ends of the earth. Um, and it's called the Acts of the Apostles, and it really means just that. It's the, the stuff that they did. It's the things that they did. And the, and the establishment of the church is a really, really big piece of it. And the Holy Spirit is really the main star of this book, as you're going to see. The work of the Holy Spirit. In many ways, you could say that the, that the proper title of the book should actually be the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. <laughs> because you see the Holy Spirit move in various ways and in various times throughout this entire book. Luke's Gospel is really the beginning of Jesus' work. If you read Luke, it's the beginning of Jesus' work. And, and Acts is really the continuation of Jesus' work into the church and in a very real sense into this present day while the book of acts as itself as a volume is is done in many ways in a real sense the book of acts is continuing to be written even today through the church in a very real sense it's still continuing because our job as the church is to continue the mission that jesus started and i think you're going to see that as we go through here so one of the main things that the acts of the apostles shows us though is the very first point, which is that there is nothing normal about following Jesus. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any given time, and especially if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, you know the truth of this statement, <laughs> that there is nothing normal about following Jesus. Nothing normal about it. If you define the word normal, the word normal actually means uh, conforming to a standard. Conforming to a standard of, of usual, typical, or expected. And following Jesus is everything but that. The, the only standard is, is Jesus. And the way that that looks in our life is nothing short of normal. The life of a follower of Jesus is the complete opposite of all of those things. So if you have your Bibles or the Bible app, we're going to be uh, starting in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to be going uh, right through a majority of Acts 1 and a majority of Acts 2. So if you want to follow along that way, you can also follow along in the notes on the Bible app. Uh, you can find it there. And just, just so that everybody's aware, I'm going to be in the NIV exclusively today so that we're not jumping back and forth between translations. I use various translations, as you all know, but I'm, I'm going to stick with the NIV for this particular uh, talk today um, so that we're not jumping, jumping around there. 
So we're going to start in verse 4, and in verse 4, it, uh, um, we see Luke laying out for us the sort of the last moments of Jesus with the disciples and some things that he's telling them. And so here, here's what he says, beginning in verse 4, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Now, th- this is after the resurrection, just so you know. And I think, it's, I think it's important to see he's eating with them. Physical body of Jesus, right? It was a physical resurrection, just so that we were clear there. So he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. So in other words, they're saying, Lord, are, are you going to make things normal? Okay, okay, Jesus, I've been, I've been with you all this time and, and, and all this happened and, and, and you died and you rose from the grave and, and, and you're here. Awesome. So can we get to our new normal? Are we all sick of hearing that, by the way? It'll hopefully be the last time you hear me say that. But, but that's what they're saying, essentially. Can we get to what normal is? Because they have this preconceived notion of what normal is supposed to be. What, okay, Jesus is here, and so, Lord, can we, can we get to it? Can we get to this normal that we think is, is supposed to be here, is supposed to be happening? Um, let me ask you this. What makes us think that we need to know everything? Because we do. We go to God and we want to know everything. We want to know why. We want to know what's happening. We want to know what is the deal here. And Jesus basically answers them in in a way that's kind of tough, but it's very much the truth because there are certain things that are just not for us to know. And that's hard for us to deal with sometimes. That's hard for us to sit with and to realize that there are certain things that are just not for us to know. And why is that? Why is it? Why did Jesus answer them in this way? Well, among other reasons, I believe one of, one of the biggest reasons is because we would actually get in the way if we knew everything that was happening. Or worse, we would do it. But we would jump the gun, and we would try to do it our way. We would try to do it our way. We would, we would get in the way of the process in which God wants things to happen because if we knew the end, if, if, as, as we go through here, I mean, let's just take Paul, if you know anything about Paul later on. If he knew what was coming, I don't know if he would have quite signed up for this. Um, if he knew everything that was coming, he, he, he probably would have still followed Jesus, but he would have done things very differently. Because he, he has a lot of junk happen to him. From getting beat, to shipwrecks, to getting bit by snakes, and various crazy things that we're going to see as we go through. I don't think he would have quite allowed God to move through him the way that he did had he known the end in mind. And I think we fall into the same trap too. We ask God, we, when is the normal that I think it should be going to show up? And God's like, will you just let me be God? You don't need to know right now. And so we continue here in verse 8 as we continue through the story. And we know this verse. We've seen this verse the last couple of weeks. We're going to see it again today. Because it's important. And Jesus goes right into this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So 
this verse, verse 8, it's used a lot, and it's very much the, um, the, the verse that we get our, our mission's um, vision through, is that verse. But, it, but at the same time, I want you to see something here that's important, that this verse is really the thesis verse of the entire book of Acts. It really all comes around to this verse, because the book of Acts is kind of divided into thirds, and the first third is really about Jerusalem, the church being witnesses in Jerusalem, and then the second third is in Judea and all of Samaria, and then the third, third, third is to the ends of the earth. And it's really cool to see that as it goes through. So the, the book being divided that way is really an interesting thing to point out because it all, always goes back to this verse, and you'll see that as we continue. But, but let me ask you this. What would you be thinking in this moment? What would you be thinking here? You, you're with Jesus for three years, three and a half years. You see all these amazing and incredible things, and then, and then he gets arrested and crucified, and then he raises from the grave, and he comes back, and you're like, all right, here we go, and he says, here's your mission. Bye. What? I would be thinking something along these lines. Now what? <laughs> now what? Uh, this is not what I thought this was supposed to be. This... This, this is not the normal I thought I was going to have. And we all do that a little bit. We've all done that a little bit. But look what happens next in verse 10. Verse 10, they're all standing there with their mouths hanging open, basically. Like, what just happened? Jesus just did this Iron Man thing. Now what? It says that they were looking intently into the sky. And... As he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. We need to put our attention in the right place. Their attention was not in the right place. Our attention needs to be on obedience to Jesus and his commands, and that's essentially what these angels were saying. We shouldn't be standing there wondering where Jesus is in all of this. That's what they were thinking. This isn't normal. We're now, oh great, now we're all left here alone. We're, Jesus, where are you in all this? And they're standing there looking. Haven't we done the same thing over the last few months at various times? I think if you'd be honest with yourself, I think we've all done that just a little bit. And we start focusing on the, wrong, on, the right th on, on the wrong things instead of focusing on the right things, which is obedience to Jesus and his commands. They didn't even hear the command that he said right there. They couldn't have, or the angels wouldn't have shown up to be like, hey. They didn't hear what he said. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to receive power. You're going to have the Holy Spirit that's come. I'm leaving you everything that you need. And instead, they just stood there like this. And I feel like we've done that a little bit as well. Jesus gave them a mission and a purpose, and he has given that mission and that purpose to you and I. And that purpose is to, to be the church. It's time to be the church. That's essentially what the angels were saying to them. Everyone, it's time to be the church. And I feel like in many ways, God is saying that to us as well in this time and in this season that we're in. It's time to be the church. It's time for us to step up and be the church. Jesus left them with everything that they needed 
Help was on the way in terms of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? That hasn't changed today. Jesus has given us everything that we need to accomplish the mission and to keep moving forward with what he's called us to do. And Jesus began the work and then he left it for us to continue. We are to continue the work and it's not going to happen the way that you think it should. It didn't for them and it's not for us. If you think back to different times and seasons in your life when things have gone on and, and you know that God's been involved, though it may not have seemed like it every single time, you look back on that, boy, things sure didn't happen the way that you thought it should. I could say that for various things in my life. It's not always going to happen the way that you think it should. Acts teaches us that the gospel is offered to everyone, and it really emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's mentioned over 50 times throughout the book of Acts. And as you finish chapter one, as we go through the, the rest of that, if, if you read through it, you find that they all return to Jerusalem. They finally kind of were like, all right, it's time to go. It's it, okay, time, time to actually accomplish our mission. Let's, let's go, which is a good thing. They kind of had to snap out of it. They go back to Jerusalem. I think they kind of did a double take. It was like, okay, what did Jesus say? Did someone write that down, please? And, and they go back to Jerusalem. They do what he's told them. And they go to the room where they were staying. But let's be honest. These guys were being hunted. The government had just killed their leader. They are, they are all fugitives, if you will. And so they really went back into hiding. And they went back into Jerusalem. And they're back into hiding. They're in, in a level of quarantine, if you will. Right? They're, they're, they're hiding there. And so they go and they go back into this room. And they begin to pray. And they basically have a prayer service. And they begin to get some structure. Which is a good thing. They start to figure out exactly what Jesus is, is calling them to do, and, and we start to see the beginnings of the church here. They start to get some structure. Peter steps up, and they start to make some decisions. Now, they replaced Judas. Obviously, they needed to replace this guy. Um, not only did he betray Jesus and all of that, but then he was dead. He killed himself after the fact. So they replace him with a guy named Matthias, and we never hear about him ever again, um, which is interesting. But then Peter steps up here, and, and we come to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. So if you are following along, you can flip over or go to the next chapter in your Bible app. And so it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. Yeah, that's, that's not normal either. Where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So this just keeps getting better. Just all kinds of, of interesting and crazy things happen. But, but the thing is, they're primed and ready. The church is primed and ready, and the day of Pentecost comes. Now let me tell you just a little real quick about the day of Pentecost and why this matters. So it's a, it's a Jewish commemoration, actually, and it goes back to Leviticus 23, and it happens 50 days after Passover. So this is 50 days after um, after the, the Last Supper. This, that's when this is happening. And this is a commemoration. Um, and, and what they do is, so when, when we take communion, as, as you may know, we use unleavened bread. And so at the Pentecost uh, commemoration, they actually use leavened bread, and they have two loaves, and those represent the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments. Um, and, and those have yeast in them, and so there's a, there's a difference there that I'm not going to get into all those things. But, um, but this is also an illustration here, and this is an important illustration as to why I believe this happened on Pentecost, one of the various reasons. Um, 
Because if you go back to Exodus 32, 28, when all of this really was established for the very first time, we find 3,000 people were killed on this day. 3,000 people were killed on this day, and so there's some commemoration to that. I want you to keep that in the back of your head for a minute as we continue to go through here. So then it says, tongues of, of fire were dropped onto their head, yet they didn't get all burned. Um, and they start speaking in other languages. Now, when it starts talking about tongues here, this is talking about actual spoken languages. This isn't gibberish. This is actual languages that they're speaking. And so they're speaking actual languages. And, and, and as you continue to, to read through for the next about 10 verses or so, you see that people hear them outside. And a crowd begins to gather. And, and they're hearing all of the disciples speaking and, and preaching in in Jesus' name, in various languages, and everybody that's there, because it was Jerusalem's a bit of a melting pot, speaking different languages, and they're hearing in their native tongue, they're hearing in, in an actual language what's being said, and people are speaking different languages and saying all of this, and, and this is and this is crazy. And so there's there's a lot of people that are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, what's going on here? And then you've got other people that are making fun of them. Other people are going, these these people are nuts, these people are drunk. They must be drunk out of their mind because who knows what's going on up there. And, and they don't really believe what's going on. And look how Peter handles it. Let's go to verse 14. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11. This is him actually, he's, he's finally standing up and being the rock, the leader that Jesus knew he always would be. And this is, this is basically um, where he really begins to step out raised his voice and he addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So he's getting practical with them for a second. But I have to imagine, I have to imagine that some of the words of Jesus went through Peter's mind at this time. Because God does amazing things and sometimes people don't get it. I know we've seen that before. I'm sure you've seen that before. God does something awesome. And sometimes the people around just don't get it. And let me say this. And I think this should help us a little bit, especially in the climate that we're living in right now. And with some of the tension and things going on. And this may seem obvious, but, but I don't think it really is to too many of us. And, and, and it's this. Don't be surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers. Let me say that again. Don't be surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers. I think sometimes as, as Christians and as believers, we, we put these expectations on people that everybody should be thinking like us and should be feeling like us and have the same morality that we do and all of those things. And at the end of the day, if somebody is not a believer, then why are we holding the standards of believer to that person instead of praying for them and hopefully guiding them to a relationship with Jesus and holding them to this standard that they don't even hold themselves to. Let's not be surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers. And so, as I said, I have to imagine that some of the words of Jesus went through Peter's mind and that some things clicked that Jesus had told them before, started to make sense, like this in John 15. Jesus said this, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. 
Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, then they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. So many things that Jesus told them must have begun to click and make sense even more during this time. Has that ever happened to you? Or like something that somebody said before, maybe some training that you had before, all of a sudden, oh, wow, this all makes a whole lot more sense now that I'm actually in this situation. But why do we think that maybe this made even more sense to them now? Well, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're being spirit-led, and the training that they had received is coming into fruition now through the community of believers. And this is a big key for the rest of our time together is this word community and the idea of community because everything that is happening here that is involved with all of them is centered around the community of believers. None of them are doing this on their own. And so Peter preaches. And he stands up, and, and he's here with all the disciples, but he, he stands up and he begins to preach. Instead of necessarily condemning everyone, he gets practical and says, you know, listen, it's nine in the morning, we're not trashed. But I want you to hear the gospel. And so he starts preaching. And he preaches for virtually the entire chapter of Acts 2. And so he gets done, essentially, with his message. And and here's what happens as we skip down to verse 37. He says, when the people heard this, meaning what he was preaching, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. How ironic, yet how God. Back in Exodus, when the law came down in Exodus 32, 3,000 people died. And when the Spirit came down in Acts 2, 3,000 souls were saved. How amazing is God? And the key to this, stick with me, the key to this is the community, the community of of the body of believers, the called out assembly, the church. That's the key. That's what's holding this all together. We use this this term, I'm sure all of you have have used it or have seen it on various things where we say RSVP. And we put out RSVP. I don't know if anybody knows what that actually stands for. Um, It's a French phrase that I will not attempt right now to not further embarrass myself. But essentially what it means is please respond. That's what it means. RSVP. And you know, Acts is a book of transitions in a lot of ways as well. The, um, the transition of, of Israel and God's uh, witness nation transitioning over to the church with being both Jews and Gentiles, meaning everybody, everyone who follows Jesus. And, and the way that that happens is through the community of the church. And, and the way that that happens is by those 
inviting others to respond to the gospel message and how Peter, while he corrected what was being said, put out an invitation for those to come and to respond to the gospel message. They invited people into the community of hope and love to worship the one who gave everything for all of us. And all we need to do is allow the Holy Spirit to use us and to work and to look for the opportunities that he presents like Peter did. And God made a way. There may be some people in your life who just need to hear an RSVP from you and just ask them to respond. You may need to just invite. And today, in, 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 in a lot of ways, is going to be that as well. By the time we're all said and done here, you have an RSVP waiting for you as well. Let's finish the rest of this chapter. Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This is the church forming right here. This is what you're reading. Because this is all going to sound really familiar. At least it should. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is God's recipe for church growth, community. The recipe for growing the church and growing the kingdom of God, it comes down to community, and it comes out of a time that was anything but normal. Nothing was normal about any of this, and I would argue that if it had been, we wouldn't be here. That it was this perfect storm of weird and crazy and not normal that caused all of these things to come together to become the church. And if we follow the example of Acts 2, 42 through 47, then God will take care of growing the church himself. God will take care of it himself. Our job is to be obedient, and we let God take care of the results. But our job is to be obedient. And the church growing, that should be a normal thing. People coming to Jesus through the community of his church should be a normal thing. Adding to the number of those that were brought into the community of God's people should be a normal thing. I love, love, love the fact that since we've been able to come back to live and in-person services, I think probably my favorite thing about it, not, not, not just the atmosphere and all of that, but there hasn't been a week that has gone by that I haven't had the chance to meet a new person or a new family who has decided to, to check out this community of Connect Church. That's such an amazing thing, even in the midst of all of this. But we are the church and, and, and this community that we are supposed to be. It's, it's one of the ways for people to see really what they're missing by not being a part of the community of God. Because the, the, the way that community works, 
for church is unlike anything anywhere else. We know that. And this, this really what we're seeing here, it's, it's kind of the life group model, believe it or not. It's the life group model. And this is why we as a church find life groups to be so important because it's the model of the very first church. The church is meant to worship God, to study his word, and, and, to, and to be together in community. We're meant to do those things together. But it's meant to do so much more than that as well. It's also meant for us to, to share our lives with one another. With life groups is, is a way to do that. And what is missing about church for you and others maybe, if you feel like something's missing, I'm telling you, what, what is potentially missing is the community aspect. The community piece of it. And that's on us to make happen. And I think we do such, such an amazing job at it, but we can always do better. And so we're going to focus on that here a little bit because I believe the church is primed and ready for the, the season and the moment in which God has placed us right now. And we need to lean into the community piece as the early church did because quite frankly, if you look at the world around us and you look at, the, at, at everything that's happening in society and all of that, these times have the potential have the potential to be much more similar to the times of the first church in Acts 2 than we realize. We're on the cusp of it. I think more, more than we may want to admit. So let's respond. Let's respond. As followers of Jesus, we shouldn't want to go back to normal because if we go back to normal, that means that we're not moving forward. That means we're not moving forward in our faith. We're not moving forward with what God has called us to do. We're not moving forward with the mission if we go back to what we think is normal. And if we aren't moving forward, then we truly aren't following our calling from the Lord. And so that's why my connection point for the morning is, is this. Life is better connected. Life is better connected. So please respond. Because what you might be missing and what might need to be something that has now become a normal for you is the community piece, the community aspect. Because he makes a way. And one of the ways that we know is through connecting us to each other. And that's being the church, connecting us together in a way that can't be done in any other way than just, just the community of the church. Because God makes a way. He makes a way through everything that is going on. And he makes a way even when we can't see it. Even when we stand there and we're just staring into the sky and we're wondering, God, where are you in all this? We forget that he has made a way and that he's given us everything that we need. He's given us everything that we need to move forward. And he's working. I've seen it so much. I've seen it so much over the last few months. And I think maybe if for some of us that maybe don't feel like we've seen it, maybe it's because we've spent too much time just staring at the sky and going, Jesus, where are you in all of this? And forgetting that he has been in all of it from the get-go. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's been there. He's been there through it. It's just not been your version of normal. It's been the way that God has chosen to do it. And so when we feel abandoned, when we don't know what to do, because that's how they felt right at first, but they turned and focused on obedience and they focused on the mission and they created community and they did it together because God created us to do things 
together. God did not create us to go through this life alone. He created us to, to do this in community. So we follow our calling, we follow our mission, and the only thing that should be normal in our life is following the mission that Jesus gave us. And so let me ask you this. Will you pray about getting involved in the community of the kingdom? Will you pray about that? Because today you're going to get an opportunity to do it before you leave. Would you stand with me? And as you stand, would you bow your head? Because we are going to wrap up with a little bit of worship here. And as you bow your head, I, I, I would ask that you would pray about getting involved in the community of the kingdom of God. Will you pray that God will burden your heart and give you an opportunity? You may have an opportunity here before you leave, before you walk out. What might be missing is community. Maybe, maybe you need to get involved in a life group. And maybe you need to remember that God has made a way even when you can't see it. God has made a way. Father, I thank you so much for your love. And I thank you so much for your grace. And I thank you so much for the church. Lord, that you have brought us together, Lord, for the community that we have. And God, you, you, you have not created this for us to keep it to ourselves. Lord, we are to invite those, to be adding those to the number daily, God, for people to be invited into this community of believers. That should be normal. And Father, if we're not involved in community, if we're not involved in a life group, if we're not involved somewhere where we could continue to grow together, Lord, I pray that you would burden each and every one of our hearts to be able to do that. I know we all have different schedules and we all have different, different things going on in our lives, God, but if we, if we don't have any kind of community, Lord, we're, we're not really gonna fully be fulfilled and fully be able to be on mission with what you've called us to do. God, I pray that if there's one here that maybe doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, that they would, they would today maybe make that decision. If they're not 100% sure, that they're gonna be with you in heaven, that they would know that they're surrounded by a community of people that love them, that they're surrounded by a community of people that, that can show them that you are the one that makes a way for us. And we are so thankful for that. Lord, I pray that no one would leave this place without knowing for sure that they're gonna be with you in heaven. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just move in a mighty and powerful way now as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name.